Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. As America's political divide deepens and our culture decays under leftist control, it'd be easy to throw up our hands and give up the fight. But that's not an option. Not when the future of our country is at stake. Get ready for a dose of inspiration and patriotism. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Welcome back to this episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina Luna. Later on in this episode, we're actually going to be joined by David Harris Jr. He's a very prominent black conservative activist here in the country, someone who I actually met initially early on at Turning Point USA and has since just exploded on social media. I think he has around definitely 1.2 million just alone on Instagram. So to give you some idea of how vocal he is and how influential and effective he is, you can always check him out there and he'll be sharing that information later on in the show. But today I wanted to focus on something that a lot of people, especially parents, are now starting to pay attention to. And that is the fact that within our education system, Kids are starting to be taught critical race theory. But a lot of people, if you ask them, okay, well, what is critical race theory? A lot of conservatives know, uh, but your average American doesn't necessarily understand what it is. So I actually went online, I went to the AmericanBarAssociation.org, and I actually pulled up some key points that I wanted to read to you. This is under the principles of critical race theory and practice. And this is really interesting. I actually wanted to highlight two in in particular because you realize how bad this is to actually teach a young child and how divisive it could be. The one key point is it is the acknowledgement that racism is a normal feature of society and is embedded within systems and institutions like the legal system that replicate racial inequality. This dismisses the idea that racist incidences are aberrations, but instead are manifestations of a structural and systemic racism. And the other point of critical race theory is that they reject the popular understanding about racism, such as arguments that confine racism to a few quote-unquote bad apples, 
CRT recognizes that racism is codified in law, embedded in structures, and woven into public policy. CRT rejects claims of meritocracy or quote-unquote colorblindness. CRT recognizes that it is a systemic nature of racism that bears primary responsibility for reproducing racial inequality. So, (laughs) I mean, you hear that and you realize they're literally teaching children that because of how they were born, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're biracial, that you are inherently going to be treated and experience racism because of that, which is completely backwards, completely wrong, super divisive. One of the interesting facts is, is that David is actually biracial. I am biracial. I mean, there's so many problems with this ideology, and yet it is being promoted on a regular basis among young children in Democrat policy and legislation. You hear the White House now talking about it under Biden's administration, and it's actually now being taught also to our military. You know, if the Democrat Party, if these progressives really wanted to help members of society that are minorities, We can start talking about the fact that after the expansion of the welfare state, you literally saw an increase in incarceration rates and teen pregnancies and high school dropout rates within the black community. That is something that I've been talking about for a very long time, that if you want to actually go to the core of these issues and set people up for success for the future, that you actually have to go to the root cause. And the root cause is, is that our family structure across the nation is broken And in fact, even Obama admitted this, okay? Obama said at a speech that he was giving in Chicago that we need fathers to realize that responsibility does not end at conception. Too many fathers are MIA, too many fathers are AWOL, missing from too many lives and too many homes. Then he continues to say, they have abandoned their responsibility, acting like boys instead of men, and the foundations of our families are weaker because of it. So you can't tell me that this has not been an issue that's been in existence within our society for some time now, because you literally have a president that was the first biracial, arguably the first black president we've ever had in the United States even talking about it. So what's really changed? Why is it now that it is a constant systemic racial issue that the left is constantly promoting? That's what they're constantly saying is that society needs to embrace this victim mentality. That's completely false. Okay. The reason why they do that is because it emotionally divides people and gets them to the polls. But if they really cared, they'd be talking about these issues. If they really cared, they'd be going in to help cities like Chicago, not defunding the police. They'd be going in to help places like the inner cities of New Orleans. And they're not, they're nowhere to be found. So I wanted to bring in David. David is, again, and as I stated earlier, he's been doing some incredible stuff. He has absolutely been one of the top black conservative leaders in the country, aside from Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum. So he's going to be joining us right after this short break. Make sure you don't go anywhere. You'll want to hear his story. You'll want to see what he's up to. And you'll want to hear about critical race theory and how it's negatively impacting not only our community, but our children as well. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. iHeart Country. Jason Aldean. 
Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So today I am joined with a very special guest, someone that I've known for quite some time and has been doing some incredible things in the conservative movement and has actually been to the White House multiple times. Without further ado, welcome to the show, David. David, please introduce yourself to some of our listeners. So Anna, so good to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. Uh, I love everything you're doing. I'm championing for you, believing in everything that you're doing. So honored to be on today. So my, my handle on all social media is David J. Harris Jr. You got to have that J in there. Uh, I'm an author. I wrote a book called Why I Couldn't Stay Silent, One Man's Battle as a Black Conservative. And, uh, you know, that seems to be just more of a pushing and pressing issue right now. People just not staying silent. So uh, uh, that book and then my next book that's coming out, I should have it done and sent off to editing and all that final stuff by the end of September. Uh, that's on, more on, along the lines of being black in America. But I'm going to dive into a lot of racial issues. Uh, critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, the organization, uh, and just what it's meant to me for being a, a person of color in this country that I love. I mean, if you can't tell from the flag behind me and the one I'm wearing, I love this country. I love everything that this country has afforded me and my forefathers and mothers uh, for generations. This country is amazing. It's something that we should stand up for. It's something we should all champion. And yet there is a very, very strategic plan to turn American citizens against the very country that we should all love. So, uh, you know, I travel the country and I speak at a multitude of different events and rallies, churches. Uh, I'm a man of faith. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for God's grace and his goodness and his faithfulness. So I love to dive in and share that as well. And I get invited to churches to, uh, to do that and just share my other beliefs. But uh, we're having fun in this chaotic current climate right now. I do not believe that our country will ultimately go the way of socialism. Uh, communism. I think that uh, we're in a fight right now and we all have to do our part to fight. So it's uh, it's it's what I'm doing right now. Well, I mean, and so just to kind of go back to real quick, though, your personal story, I remember hearing you talk about what you struggled with, hearing you talk about how you found God and really how I think it saved your marriage. I know that you're an incredible father. Would you be comfortable with sharing that story? Because I think that's so important, especially right now, you know, society likes to promote this victim mentality and they like to use the race card with, you know, both the black community and the Hispanic community. But your story is not a story of someone who's a victim. It's a story of someone who's a victor. So tell me real quick about what you really struggled with and how you, you came to find God. So my journey is a pretty incredible one. It's one that's not unlike a lot of people's. You know, I, I, I came to the revelation of God's goodness when I was 18 years old. Before that, and actually on that day, October 10th, 1993, I was a drug dealer. I had a pager on. I'd, uh, my pager would go off 50 to 100 times a day. For those of people listening, saying, what the heck's a pager? It was before <laughs> smartphones. Uh, it was before uh, iPods. Uh, it was when somebody would beep you and they wanted you to call them back. And uh, I was the man in, in one of, in my city, the young man in my city that a lot of people got connected for the, you know, the illicit drugs that they wanted. Uh, and I had a radical encounter with God, with his love, with Yeshua, with Jesus. And it changed my paradigm forever. It changed who I thought I was, who I believed I was. And it shattered my feelings and cares about what everybody else thought about me. Uh, I was very, I was very self-conscious growing up. I'm half white, half black. My mom is of Irish descent. My dad is, is black. 
um, and the, the, the identity issue that I dealt with, that I faced, uh, it was difficult. And I think that, you know, on the, on the bare knuckle aspect of pretty much everything that people deal with, we all have identity crisis issues. We all have things that challenge our identity or we don't know how to identify. Uh, and you see it coming out in, you know, some really crazy ways. I, I can say I identify as a small Chinese lady, but that doesn't mean it's accurate, <laughs> you know, but if a person says that and that's supposed to make them feel better, uh, that's the issue, right? They have an identity crisis. So my journey, I married my high school sweetheart not too long after that. Uh, but I did also still have some things inside of me internally that I had never dealt with. I was never the type to be in church on Sunday and then party throughout the week. I was either partying or I had said no to that completely. And I would, and I would spend time really seeking God. So um, throughout the years, I battled with uh, alcoholism. I battled with, and, and when you, when you've done drugs, and you party and you're drinking, it's really easy to, to dive right back into, man, some Coke will just really help me, you know, enjoy this party more. And uh, so if I had God turned off, like I'm not listening to you, I'm doing it my own way, then I was full steam ahead. I was just, you know, all, all out into whatever I wanted to do. And that took its toll on my marriage. My wife had left a couple of times, actually. Uh, we, I'm glad to say and honored to say we've been married 27 years now. But, uh, but it was a rough ride. I drug her through the mud, my kids through the mud. But on all those things, it wasn't the system keeping me down. I was a successful business owner. We were doing $2 million a year in sales in my peak years. Uh, and all those things added additional pressures that, that made it hard for me with still an identity crisis, with not having things healed inside of myself, made it hard for me to navigate and manage the terrain. So uh, I got completely free in uh, January of 2010. And uh, from from alcohol, from drugs, um, and uh, my wife, you know, came back, and and so our, our family has been restored. And I can say with all certainty that God is a God of restoration. He's a God of love. He loves His kids, and that's the beautiful thing to me that separates Christianity from every other religion. Every religion on the planet is man trying to reach God through man's own efforts. Christianity is the one belief that says there's nothing we could do as, my, as minuscule and finite, finite as we are to ever reach the creator of the universe on our own. And he, know, and he knowing that actually came down in the form of his son to reach us and pay the price for us so that all we have to do is accept what Jesus did, and then we could be connected to the Father. So that's the one beautiful thing that separates that belief of Christianity from every other religion. And that's what I have on a daily basis. I have a relationship with, with my Papa God. I call him Papa. He's a good father. <laughs> oh, I, I so, love hearing that though, because like so many people, I think they have this idea of what it means to be a conservative or to be a thought leader. You're a thought leader and sharing your story and realizing that you're not a perfect person. No one is, but that it was through basically God's good grace. And I think your respect and your love for your family that you were able to get clean and then really share your message to impact. I think at a national level, I mean, to see people like you, to see people like Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum, you are leading out the movement with the conservative black voice in this country. And so, you know, to kind of segue into what we're really seeing from an identity politics perspective, I mean, the Democrat party is constantly trying to put people in boxes, right? Like you'd mentioned earlier, 
that you are biracial. You know, I'm half white, I'm half Hispanic. And I think one of the more painful things that maybe people like us may go through is the fact that you have so many people that are on the left that tell you that you are basically rejected because of the fact that you're part white. Um, how do you engage with people like that? Because obviously that type of rhetoric is extremely, extremely destructive. And there's so many young people who might not be as strong as you. How do you even begin to explain to these young people how they should engage or deal with that? Well, I always try to say, look at it through a lens of, of hate and look at it through a lens of, uh, of diminishing another individual's uh, sovereignty. Each, each and every one of us is you know, handpicked, chosen by God, created beautifully and wonderfully made. If somebody has a, an issue with how I'm made or how I'm created, they can't take that up with me they, they, or my parents. They got to take it up with God. So I think ultimately every single individual needs to know that their worth and their value is not based in the uh, opinions of others. And then be bold in what you believe. Know why you believe what you believe. I'm very pro-life. I mean, I don't think any child would ever conceive of doing something harmful to a baby whether that baby's inside the womb or outside of the womb. They wouldn't even conceive of it. Yet as individuals grow up, uh, they go through different life issues. And somewhere along the line, they believe a lie that says, oh, that's not actually a baby inside the womb. That's just a a fetus or it doesn't have any feelings or emotions or they've been totally misled and lied to to believe that the baby doesn't have nervous systems where they can't feel pain. Yet we know that a baby has a heartbeat at, at eight weeks. Uh, has a nervous system, a fully formed nervous system at 10 weeks and fingers and toes. So we know it's a baby. So, you know, individuals, it can be so hard for people to um, to speak out if they don't know what they believe and why they believe it. But when they know what they believe and they know why they believe it, um, it's it, it emboldens them, I think, to speak boldly. Uh, and then again, just coming back to our ultimate identity as a son or a daughter of the creator of the universe that loves us so much, I get so much confidence from that. I get so much confidence from spending time in his word, from praying, from worshiping, uh, from just spending time in God's presence. I get so much uh, boldness and courage in who I know he's created me to be that it shatters what other people think about me. And that gives me the courage to stand up. So when somebody's speaking something to an individual that's hateful, that's spiteful, I understand they're speaking from a place of brokenness in their own life. And I try not to react to that. A lot of people immediately want to react and respond in another, you know, in a spiteful or hurtful way. And it's like, that doesn't breed anything but more contempt and heartache. So trying to keep that in mind, that ultimately our battles with ideologies and ultimately, I think the ultimate battle is spiritual, uh, you know, in the spirit realm, the, the dark side, they want us all fighting amongst each other. They want us picking each other apart. They want us to look at each other and, and try to cancel us each other out in any way that we can as demeaning and you know, as immoral as it can be, that's what they want. So I think if we can take a step back and remember that, and then we can try to speak to people from a place of love, it really, uh, it really goes a long way when you're in one-on-one conversations, which is when most conversations happen. It's interesting that you bring that up because I was on a previous segment with Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee, and he said the exact same thing. I mean, this is a spiritual battle. You look at what's happening with, I think, how right after they removed really God from, I think, the education system, you've yeah. really noticed that society is tanked. And it's one of those things that even if people are listening that might be atheists, I mean, the Christian faith has such a moral and sound structure for society that 
I think has a lot of positive. And so when you remove that and you see what Hollywood really pushes onto the younger generation in regards of what they should be glorifying, that's destructive. It's destructive emotionally. It's destructive to the family unit. And the family unit is essentially the backbone of this country. I do want to get into critical race theory. We do have to take a quick commercial break. So everyone sit tight. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I am again here with David Harris Jr., an incredible conservative activist here in our country. David, I mean, just lay it on me thick right now. Critical race theory is something that the Democrats are pushing. All right. You are obviously someone that is biracial, someone that is a father, and then someone that is a man of faith. What do you think about it? It's purely evil. It's 100% evil. You know, Article 6 of the Civil Rights Act of 1996 states that uh, segregating or treating an individual differently than another group of in- another group of individuals is illegal. Uh, and yet we that's exactly what critical race theory is trying to do. It's trying to it's trying to get those that do have any kind of bitterness or resentment for anything in their life to channel it at other people that have no reason to uh, to be receiving that kind of hate. You know, th- there's a lot of people in the black community that, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of racism in the black community. Uh, my good friend Brandon Tatum, he talks about how growing up, and he's not the only one, LeBron James said the same thing, growing up, the black community stuck tight together and all the white people were devils. They were all the people you didn't want to talk to. So that has been a part of, I think, our history on both sides for a long time. And uh, critical race theory is just fanning the flames of division. It's trying to, it's trying to target our most innocent, our children, and teach them to judge others based on the color of their skin and look and judge themselves based on the color of their own skin. That is the classic definition of racism. And it's completely taking our country backwards. I just saw a story where a principal in a school, not sure where it's at. I'm pretty sure it's back East somewhere. She literally had started to segregate children. The parent, this black parent found out that their child could not go into a certain classroom with a certain teacher that the parent thought was was a good a good uh, teacher for the child found out that her child could not go into that classroom because the black principal had segregated the students there were black classrooms and there were white classrooms now tell me that's not a, a 100% against everything that Dr Martin Luther King stood for you know he was 100% for us combining all of us looking at each other like brothers and sisters in the same family, treating each other based on our character, not on the color of our skin. 
And that's exactly what critical race theory is trying to do. But at the core of it, it's interesting. We're talking a lot about faith here. At the core of it, it's Marxist. Its roots go all the way back to Marxism, back to the 1800s. And the core of Marxism is government is God. There is no God. Uh, it's atheist. And to believe in a higher power is against their, is their religion. It's, it is a, like a religion of hate. So understanding what's taking place, nothing could be more important than parents understanding that what is taking place right now is trying to permeate and get into the minds of our most innocent, our youngest. And a lot of times it's happening and the parents don't even know it, which is why parents must be engaged, have to ask their, their kids, what are you learning in school? What's going on in your classroom? Gone are the days. And I think they went on for far too long where parents just believe they could send their kids off to school to get a good public education at the behest of the government. We can't forget this is government funded education and just believe their kids were going to learn the basics of life. Uh, now they're actually learning the opposite of what any parent should want their kids to learn. And at the core of that argument is uh, critical race theory. It's interesting because the same party, which is tends to be the Democrat party that says that they are supposed to be, quote unquote, representing minority voices is the same party that's so, quote unquote, progressive that they're actually regressive. You see, you know, schools, Ivy League universities that are now holding separate and segregated graduations in an effort to make their students feel, quote unquote, more comfortable. You have everything happening with the Democrat party, not encouraging school choice, which if you grew up in a you know bad neighborhood and you had to go to school based on that zip code, you're probably not going to re be receiving as good as an education as if you're in a more affluential neighborhood. So why would they completely want to keep those kids from the opportunity of actually being able to succeed in life? And then you have exactly like, like you said, all of this foundation is based in Marxist ideology, which right now, in my opinion, they're pushing a class warfare. They're pushing a racial warfare. And it's not yep. just within the black and white community. It's in the Hispanic community as well. This whole defund the police movement in Chicago, especially literally started a race war between the black and the Chicano gangs in the United States. And no one was covering it because it again went to turf war after the police officers weren't there to be able to keep the peace. So it's such wow. a, an evil agenda. And I think people like you speaking out against this is so important because they do in the media say, well, if you're white, you can't have an opinion on this because you have quote unquote white privilege. I know also too, I was researching critical race theory and I read this section from AmericanBar.org and it was talking about what the tenets of critical race theory are. And it's the ideology that society is inherently racist, which is completely mm -hmm. false. It should not be taught that society is just automatically racist, but also to they reject the notion of people saying, for example, I was raised to not see color. Well, I was raised not to see color. My mom never yeah. told me, oh, that is a black kid. You can't hang out with that kid. Or, you know, you're half white and half Hispanic. So you have to choose. I mean, I wasn't raised like that. And I think yeah, a lot of either. people, I mean, what is your feedback on that? You're a parent, you have a beautiful daughters, but I mean, like, how do you even begin to explain to your child what critical race theory is? Well, it's like you said, it's it's evil at its very core, you know, and then they try to take things and twist them. You know, they're they're great with those type of uh, word analogies, planned parenthood when they're not planning any parenthoods. Right. They're murdering babies, but it's supposed to be something that we're just supposed to go for. So here when they talk about, you know, what's we're standing up for uh, the, the, the black community and the Hispanic community. And we're basically saying that society is inherently racist and that we don't have 
uh, an equal playing field when we start off in this country. The evil, the equal playing field is actually whether or not a child is able to grow up with two parents in the house. And that's that's a yet one of the other things that they deem is uh, something that shouldn't be talked about and, and, and isn't doesn't matter. Even Barack Obama acknowledged that when he was in office, that uh, a child's five more, five times more likely uh, to wind up in jail, nine times more likely to be in poverty uh, and 21 more times to wind up uh, uh, with a with a violent record if they don't have parents, if they don't have two parents in the home. So that's something that we should be talking about. But instead, this whole CRT movement just tries to turn around and take everything that's a negative and base it on race, base it on the color of your skin. And then to teach that to our children is something that absolutely should not be happening. And the problem is, Anna, is that they've been pushing this agenda for decades. And now individuals that have this belief are now in positions of power and authority in school boards, school board superintendents, and the individuals that also have this belief that are already teachers are either jumping on the bandwagon and too many teachers are, are either staying silent or uh, they, they don't know they're caught in the middle. So it's happening. It's here. They're trying to create a race war in this country and set us back centuries. So real quick before we go, I did have one last question for you, and it's in regards to BLM. BLM has stated in, and I actually saw a school board presentation where a black father actually went in and said, I don't agree with BLM. Here's why. And it's because they were attacking the nuclear family. And when you have the entire black community that already has some of the lowest numbers in regards to any other, you know, demographic in the country in regards to, you know, parents that are married in the household, why would they attack the family from your perspective? Well, again, you know, their their roots are also Marxists. The three co-founders of, of BLM, the organization, are all uh, devout and uh, acknowledged Marxists. And uh, from, from that ide- ideology, they, they attack the nuclear family. They really want chaos. They want class wars. Uh, they, they, they don't want us to have a solid footing because it'll ultimately lead to big government. Right. If there's a lot of chaos taking place in a country, then the next level for is for the government to step in and say, well, we need to make sure that we keep the peace on a lot stronger basis, which is why they've been trying to come after our guns for decades. I really believe that Donald Trump becoming president was a saving grace Obama over eight years. He set us up. Uh, he set us up and he, he was setting Hillary up to then put the pedal to the metal, come in take all of our guns, or at least try to, I think that would lead to a civil war in this country, but try to take our guns. They've already done some, they've passed some laws to truly restrict more access to guns and firearms, ammunitions, uh, calling every assault weapon an assault weapon, assault rifle. AR doesn't stand for assault rifle. Yeah, that's what they <laughs> call it. And, uh, and then once we don't have any way to defend ourselves, then they can begin to continue to push these tyrannical orders and mandates like we're seeing under the pandemic until you've got big government in control of everybody. We're paying taxes through the behind because they need the money and they believe that they can spend our money better for our communities than we can ourselves. So the Black Lives Matter organization is absolutely evil. Again, it's just two heads of the two heads of the same snake, in my opinion, as far as CRT and BLM, uh, for them to not call out, for them to be standing for anything that is uh, against the nuclear family. Again, it shows you how absolutely insane they are. It's something that is waking up. The beautiful thing, like you mentioned, is that gentleman in that school board meeting, parents are waking up like never before and taking control of their child's future by understanding what's going on. I don't think parent engagement in schools and classrooms 
has been this prevalent and this uh, aware uh, the engagement that's taking place from parents to make sure that their kids are not learning these things uh, is waking parents up. And it's going to bring the parents to a place to make sure their kids are actually learning what's what we should be valuing in this country. And that, I think, is the silver lining. I always say the enemy is overplaying his hand. He's pushing so hard right now. But in the end, he's going to wind up on his face. And in the end, we're going to wind up with a whole lot of patriot-loving, God-loving Americans that are standing up for truth and justice and appreciate this flag that's behind me. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, I do believe that too. And I mean, where are you, are you doing any events anytime soon where people can actually go see you? Or how about a book signing? Are you going to be announcing that soon? So I will be talking about a book signing over the next, uh, probably closer into September. I'll be in Washington, D.C. We're having an event at the, uh, the mall there in D.C. We're having an event at Trump Hotel on the 10th and then uh, something to honor September 11th on the 11th. That'll be the 20 year anniversary of September 11th of uh, that tragedy that took place, not just in New York, but for all Americans. Um, so I'll be there. Uh, I just preached at a church in Charlotte over the last weekend, but to stay connected with me, they can go to, uh, uh, djhjmedia.com. I've got a lot of my information on there. And then I love showing and representing, you know, American patriotic and Trump loving merchandise. So David Harris, junior.store, you want to get a t-shirt, a mug, a hat, something to help show your support for our country or stand up against CRT. It's all at David Harris, junior.store. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you so much, Anna. God bless you. Before we go, I want to thank David Harris Jr. again for such a powerful interview. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. To hear more about my episodes and get my weekly newsletter, please go to Gingrich360.com slash Anna. And you can also find me on Parlor, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Getter at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to our producer, Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kligman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.